This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations with host Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anine, hello, I'm Leah Lem. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwech, and thank you for joining me. Today on the show, COVID vaccines and how to get them. Tribes are seeing successful rollouts as well as community clinics that focus on Native populations. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Angela Erdrich and Laz Carrion, who both work at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. Dr. Erdrich is a pediatrician, and Laz Carrion is a registered nurse who is the head of the COVID team at IHB. We'll hear about the challenges and opportunities, the vaccine rollout, and more at IHB. But first, tribes are also administering vaccines, which I had the opportunity to receive. I thought I'd be way down the list, not receiving a vaccine for several months. My husband and I are both tribal members, me at Mille Lacs, him with Lower Sioux. We both work at home and our son is in person at school. I even signed up for the Vaccine Connector with the state of Minnesota, which is a great resource to learn when we become eligible to receive the vaccine and where to get one and so on. But we saw that Leech Lake Band was administering vaccines to any adult eligible to receive care through Indian Health Service. So we called them up to make sure, as we thought it'd be too good to be true. But guess what? We got an appointment. See, tribes have the ability to decide who to give the vaccine to. So they've made their own priority list and act accordingly. And they've served elders first and healthcare workers and so on. Vaccine day. As we set out for Cass Lake on the morning of our appointment, we took time to talk about the significance of the moment. My partner Daniel was concentrating on driving, so I did most of the talking. I don't think I've ever been excited to get a vaccine. You know, it's just been like kind of a part of healthcare, but this is like really different. How so? It's historic. It's a, a pandemic. We've had to be isolated for so long. These vaccines were created tested, trialed, and distributed really fast. And science! And this whole year has been really tough, you know? We've lost half a million people in the States now. I mean, and should help get it under control and get the numbers going down so we can hug each other again and go to powwows and music concerts and all that good stuff again. About to eat. (laughs) Getting to our seats for the vaccine was very simple, very quick. We found we'd be getting the Moderna vaccine, and we saw folks of all ages at the Boys and Girls Club in Cass Lake. 
When I sat down to receive my dose, I asked the person who was administering the vaccine, Carrie was her name, if I could record a bit. Is it Leah Lem? Yep. Okay. Uh, date of birth. And of course, I had the question. Could it really be that elders and healthcare workers and everybody who needs the vaccine more than I and wants it has already gone through? I, okay, I wouldn't want to receive the vaccine before any elder who wanted one, and I think I'm not alone in that. I certainly wouldn't bud in front of the feast line, so same goes for this. Yes, we do hear a lot of that, and totally understandable. Um, We just did release yesterday where we're at as far as the tiers, how we're releasing the vaccines that we receive. And we're tier 3A, I believe. Um, So that means basically that all of the elders have been offered the vaccine. Um, And then the next step was healthcare workers. And then, you know, we've we've done all these tiers and now we're opening it up to 18 and older um, community members, native and not. And um, we do know and we, we make sure that it's stated every time that we do a release um, that elders do get preference. Yeah. So yeah. that okay. is... I know, it's just so <laughs> strange because I'm just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to like, can it possibly be, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know it. Yeah, it's hard, you know, to believe that we've opened it up already to um, 18 and older. That's mm-hmm. kind of a... You know, everyone else is still at the elders and... And we have, you know, we've offered it to everybody and people people who want it are getting it and, you know, some people don't want it. Yeah. In fact, over at the White Earth Nation, Chairman Michael Fairbanks talked about how their elders were well on their way to being fully vaccinated. If our grandkids want to sit on grandpa's lap or grandma's lap, it's important that grandma and grandpa get vaccinated. And I think that's what's working for us is that why we have 87% of our elders over 65 are vaccinated. So that's something that those are numbers I'm proud of. And I'm proud of our elders just to, to ramp it up, that they, they ramped it up and, you know, said that they want to see their kids and their grandkids too. That's so wonderful to hear. So I let Carrie have access to my left shoulder and I just got a tiny little pain like any other shot. And I was moved to the waiting area to make sure I didn't have a bad reaction. I joined my spouse, who is already long sitting down. He's a lot less talkative than I am, so his shot was super quick. But now, Daniel opened up about the significance of the moment. Right there on the bleachers, safely distanced from other folks waiting and masked, we reflected on what our ancestors went through, what advocacy looks like now for Indian country so we can receive health care. We're, at the moment, Witnessing Tribal Sovereignty and Health Justice in Action. And we'll be back in four weeks to receive our second dose. Thank you, Leech Lake and Carrie and all the rest. Any worries I had about getting the vaccine before others more deserving were put to rest. And now we'll take a virtual trip down to the cities to chat with Dr. Angela Erdrich and Laz Carrion at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. Here's our conversation. Could I ask each of you to introduce yourselves, starting with Dr. Erdrich? Hi, my name is Dr. Angela Erdrich. I'm a pediatrician 
I am an enrolled member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Ojibwe, and I've been working for the Indian Health Service or Native Communities since 1997. My husband and I are both pediatricians. I have been working at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis since 2010. Great. And how about you, Laz? Yes, my name is Laz Kirian. I'm the nursing supervisor and COVID project manager over the Indian Health Board. I've been working in the Native community, community now for a little over three years and at Indian Health Board for over a year. And I just want to say thank you both for all that you do in helping keep our communities healthy and getting through this pandemic and beyond. Uh, so just a big chimigwech, first of all. <laughs> so IHB, can you tell me a bit about the Indian Health Board, um, some of the background and the service area? I can probably take that one. Indian Health Board of Minneapolis is one of the urban Indian sites we are partially funded by the Indian Health Service, and we are a federally qualified health center. And uh, we serve the urban native population and anybody who comes. So I believe we're about the people who come to the clinic are about 60 to 70 percent of them are uh, native. Uh, and we have a dental clinic, counseling and support, a medical clinic and outreach programs. And we also have a um, recovery program and medication-assisted therapy program. Let's talk, let, let's, let's rewind time just a little bit. And let's talk about uh, when the pandemics kind of started. Um, what did you see at the clinic? What was your perspective maybe in the January, February timeframe last year, now that we're almost a year in? Um, can you talk a bit about that and then switching into pandemic mode? I had been uh, watching the news quite a bit and I was seeing what was happening overseas. And we actually started ordering PPE end of January, beginning of February, uh, just starting to get masks and sanitizers and just trying to get pre prepared. And we didn't know what was coming. Uh, we didn't expect any of this. Um, but there was a lot of fear when it did start coming and then started hearing about how contagious it was and started seeing people getting really ill and uh, the mortality rate and the entire clinic, um, leadership, staff, everyone uh, got on board. I, I really, listen from my perspective, just watching Laz just like really kick it into gear and be so organized and, you know, ordering everything on a recurring basis that he could and making sure we had enough, not too much, you know, and making sure that what we had was the right thing and then organizing testing and, and then outreach. And I just saw, you know, Laz being just such a hero. He won't say he wouldn't, you know, take that. you know, I know he's part of a team, but he really has made a difference. Mm -hmm. I, I believe we still have had no staff who could trace their, infection to our workplace like we've been had been such good teamwork everybody wearing masks and social distancing and changing everything we've done Is, isn't that right Laz? i don't think anybody has, could trace it to the workplace uh, correct yeah. wow which is amazing <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. yeah yeah very very um a, a good sign there so some big words on your website for the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis is community, tradition, and wellness. Uh, can you talk a bit about what those mean in a pandemic? Dr. Erdrich, how about you first? Well, our health center has been a real community health center. In a, during this pandemic, 
we have served the community really well and have responded to the needs of the community. Um, just to give example of some of the things that we've done, like like um, Lazna's team, they heard there was an out there was an outbreak that was alerted to us at Elders Lodge. They went out there and tested everybody. Then they later went out and vaccinated people. I've had um, patients who test positive and. It's like a single mom with, you know, several kids who can't go anyplace for two weeks. So our team would go out and um, bring supplies to her. They have connections with food shelters, um, food banks, and um, bringing cleaning supplies and masks. And there for advice, we have, we've uh, ordered, you know, health, better masks like the KN95 masks to give out to people. Pulse oximeters early on, we were giving out pulse oximeters to anybody who tested positive. So I feel like we were really there for the community um, wellness. We've always um, tried to do this with a wellness focus because um, that's part of our holistic approach. And we have wraparound care. We have uh, counseling and support with integrative behavioral health. So they, if a patient comes to us for a medical issue, quote medical, you know, we can address their psychosocial issues. We have traditional medicines. We have groups that have continued even online to do like uh, beadwork and making crafts. And in the past, we've had drumming. I mean, we have that um, tradition and wellness kind of all wrapped into one. Mm-hmm. Laz, do you have anything to add? Uh, yes, like the community aspect, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we're helping our sister organizations. Uh, there's a program here in the cities, uh, Jewel Fairbanks and making sure that we offered our services uh, when patients first arrived, they'd have a medical appointment here. All of um, any patient would get tested prior to joining the uh, population there. We've gone there to test staff. We've gone there to vaccinate um, and just testing throughout the community, um, even working with uh, other native community uh, clinics here in the urban area. Uh, we did a partnership with NAC, uh, yeah. with the Native American Community Clinic, to show the community that um, like we're here to serve the community and do our part. And having that partnership, that communication, and sending out the same message uh, was very important. All right. Great. Thank you. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem, and I'm speaking with Dr. Angela Erdrich and Laz Carrion. Both work at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. And we're talking about the vaccine rollout and the challenges and opportunities over at the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis, or IHB. Here's the rest of our conversation. So we went through getting PPE and testing, uh, moving a lot to telehealth. Let's talk a bit about the vaccines. What what do you see right now happening with folks getting the vaccine? Is do you have enough? Uh, what's the demand and supply look like? Minnesota Department of Health has been great working with the tribal communities. We were uh, one of the first clinics in the uh, metro area to receive the vaccine as part of a tribal allocation, um, which allowed us to um, start vaccinating um, our elders prior to uh, other clinics getting it. Uh, 
with the Native American population, we, there's a high mortality rate, and we wanted to make sure that we're taking care of our elders, the elders, uh, keeping the traditions alive. And it's a majority of the elders, 65 plus, have already been vaccinated in the urban area. Uh, we ended up decreasing prior to Minnesota. Part of the tribal allocation, the tribes are able to set their own criteria for vaccinations. Since Indian Health Board is not a sovereign nation, we can't drop down to a lower age um, like another, like some of the other tribes. But uh, MDH has been great about giving us some flexibility to make sure that we're treating our patients. And we are vaccinating uh, patient native patients age 50 plus who they do not need to be prior um, patients at Indian Health Board. Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. So it's community native people, age 50 plus, are able to schedule at our clinic. Mm-hmm. And what's the response been? Are people wanting it? Uh, the response that we've gotten has been phenomenal. Just the positivity, people really happy that we reached out to them, not that they had to reach out to us, that uh, they, weren't, they were able to get it in the urban area. Laz, I was wondering if you could describe some of the scenes that you've witnessed, you know, like, because uh, I've heard him talk a little bit about it, but just some of the emotions that people go through. So initially, people were trying to get on this Minnesota vaccine lottery. It's very difficult to try to get in anywhere and just have being like a last minute call. We have an extra dose. We're going to make sure no doses are wasted and calling patients and just tears to their eyes, just extremely grateful to be able to have the opportunity to receive the vaccine. Um, That's honestly the most rewarding part is seeing patients come in and how joyful. I mean, people have tears in their eyes because, I mean, we're living in a pandemic. People are isolated. They're alone. They're not going out. And this is the Mm -hmm. next step to some kind of normalcy. It's very emotional for me just when uh, the people I love in this world, you know, seeing that they got access to the vaccine, when I see it on Facebook or whatever, I'm just like so excited for them and so happy that they made it. You know, we at the building where we are expanded our vaccinations, 20, is it address 2020, 2020 Franklin? Mm-hmm. We, um, they do a, like a smudge at the end. They offer a smudge and people said that meant so much to them, you know to have a culturally sensitive and truly deeply meaningful blessing. You know, it's just, it's so emotional. Yeah, it's been a long time, a long, difficult journey, but um, Mm -hmm. this is a, you know, a bright spot in it. Yeah. And we continue to learn from what we're doing, taking uh, input from all of our staff just seeing how we can improve. We started doing vaccinations on our third floor in a conference area. And we were able to social distance, but we weren't able to vaccinate too many people uh, because of the space. And we ended up moving to another building where we have the entire floor now. So at the clinic, it's not like herding cattle. It's uh, uh, individualized care, making sure that we're taking the time, answer questions and um, give uh, people a positive experience. Uh, there's a lot of negative stories out there about the vaccine, a lot of things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, breaking that myth and explaining like the facts of the vaccine and um, 
showing patients that you have been vaccinated as well. So you say facts of the vaccine. Are there any facts of the vaccine that you'd like to share here? Like the very first thing I tell patients for the vaccine is by getting the vaccine today, you are not going to be immune. Mm -hmm. You need to continue to social distance, continue to wear a mask, continue to sanitize, wash your hands, taking all the precautions you're currently taking. This first vaccine is going to make your own body create antibodies. And that second dose, it's a booster shot. So that second dose is going to increase your antibodies more than two weeks post-second vaccine is when you should have enough antibodies to be able to fight off the infection. Uh, Many people believe that you're giving them the virus or it's going to change their DNA. And it's explaining this is not an live virus, an inactive virus. Um, This is just the viral sequence to make sure that your body recognizes that spike protein to be able to build that antibody. For this vaccine, you know, some people are concerned about, oh, it's, it was rolled out very quickly, you know. And so I um, was looking at the history of vaccines and prior to this vaccine, the, the world record for, you know, the quickest development of a vaccine was the mumps vaccine which was developed in 1967 by Maurice Hilleman, who was this amazing scientist who developed um, 40 vaccines in his lifetime. And he developed the mumps vaccine um, in four years. Mm. And this vaccine did not take as long because, you know, unlike mumps where it's hard to study people because it takes them a while to get exposed to mumps, people were getting so exposed to COVID that this vaccine rolled out. You had so many people getting sick who didn't get the vaccine. So it became unethical to continue these trials. They had to go unblinded and offer those people the vaccine because it was so successful. Um, and in that regard, you know, people who are, are, you know, taking a step back and waiting for the vaccine and seeing what happens, you know, other people are sort of taking the step forward for them, you know, as part of the community. And we have a lot of people in the community who look at it that way, like just to keep the community safe, they're going to do that. I would like to make sure uh, to talk a bit about, since I have a pediatrician on the line, which is so great, talk about children's health and children and adolescent, yeah. right? Um, how are they doing? What's going on? <laughs> it's been such a hard year for kids, you know, the online learning, the stress on their families. I've seen kids, you know, the online learning is so hard for some kids that they're, they basically are not attending school or they, their, their bodies and their spirits have been through a lot. So I just, there's no good answers exactly. Like some people don't want to go back to, to in-person learning, but I know some, some will, and we need to support all those families with both of their decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can't believe that some of the stories that I hear on a day-to-day basis of what kids are going through, it's really trying times. And we, I hope that we can be um, child-focused, mm-hmm. you know, especially once more people are vaccinated to really look at what the needs of children. Great. Are there any last things you want to make sure that people know? Is there anything else that's important to make sure we get out there? The other thing I wanted to say, if you have time to put it in, is about the... Um, while we're really trying to promote these, the KN95 mask as a better mask, um, it covers the nose, which is the primary um, source of infection of the lungs, and it captures particles that are, that are smaller, smaller than 300 nanometers. 
the, has electrostatic charges that uh, repel individual viruses and prevents you from touching your face. So it's the KN95 mask. It's over the ones that we're kind of promoting are over 99% filtration. And uh, a lot of people in the clinic wear them. I wanted to get the message out to Native American employers that that's something extra they can do for their employees, you know. Time to pony up you employers and buy some good masks for your employees. There you go. Get out that get out your June. And one thing I do want to tell everyone out there is get get vaccinated, get your vaccine, uh, but make sure to continue following um, everything that you've been doing, uh, wearing a mask and social distancing. We don't know what's going to happen with these variants, and we mm-hmm. don't know what the future holds. And hopefully, cases since we're seeing cases go down, we are at going towards the end of this, but we don't know. So continue taking all the precautions that you're taking. Be safe. Uh, by you taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your family, your elders, yes. everyone around you. In order to reach herd immunity with uh, they're thinking at least 80% of people will need to be vaccinated. And the only way that's going to happen is if children are also, some of them are vaccinated because about 25% of the U.S. population are children. So there's right now they can't be vaccinated, but there's studies being done. If, if you can get vaccinated, please do. Um, there's other federally qualified health clinics in the Minneapolis area that are also have their criteria for um, getting the vaccine. And it's worth, if you're still looking for a vaccine, I think it is worth um, looking for, if you've ever been a patient at a federally qualified health center and you're 65 and above, you will be eligible at that federally qualified health center to get the vaccine. Great. And COVID COVID does not discriminate. Um, It doesn't discriminate by age, by race, uh, by demographics. It can affect anyone and everyone. One of the big reasons why I'm so focused on COVID is early on, I had a family member who ended up hospitalized, intubated, and we had to say our goodbyes through through Zoom. And Mm. it was extremely scary. And because of the technology that was coming out, the condolescent plasma, the remdesivir, uh, they did these trial medications and he improved. But we said our goodbyes and... I've seen people have very minimal symptoms. I've seen people on their deathbed. I, it's this does not discriminate, and just make sure to be safe and take care of your loved ones. Okay. Well, thank you both so much for taking time to chat. I really appreciate it. Chimigwech, Dr. Angela Erdrich, and Laz Carrion for taking time to talk. IHP serves Native and non-Native community members in their service area. The vaccine goes to IHP's primary community, though there is also a waiting list if there are cancellations. Dr. Angela Erdrich is a pediatrician, and Les Carrion is the head of the COVID team at IHP. Also, Dr. Erdrich had quite a few resources and recommendations that she shared, including the monoclonal drug therapy and links to KN95 masks and more. We've got those linked on the episode site on minnesotanativenews.org. Dr. Erdrich also wanted to make sure to say that Native people choose vaccines because they know what it means to be snuffed out. 
We hold ancestral memory in our collective consciousness and view the vaccine through the lens of history. Native people protect community. So, Chimigwech, Dr. Erdrich, and Laz Carrion for your words today. And thank you for listening today, Chimigwech. So, I just want to make sure to say thank you to all the doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers keeping us healthy as we go through this pandemic. Gigawabaman, and I wish you health. I'm Leah Lem. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.